three-point range. Back for more, another exciting episode where uh, we delve into sports issues that you're not hearing about anywhere else, or at least doing it in a way that uh, only we could do, perhaps, uh, giving ourselves as much credit as possible. This is Mike Berardino, uh, joined as always by the scout, Kimball Crosley, and the professor, Tim Crothers, who this week asked not to lead off. I'm going to lead off. All right. So, um, Monday night, was it Monday night? Sunday night. Sunday uh, night. Yeah, it's, uh, Sunday night. That's always Start the over. That's better. No, I'm good. I'm good. I was watching. This, I was watching. I just want to say that um, Brady Belichick was everything uh, I had hoped for and everything that I pretty much envisioned right up until the point, and DraftKings can testify, that I had that game pegged multiple ways every which way but Sunday, uh, right up until Nick Folk went doink. And it's I, I, I'm a Dolphins fan by birth and raising, and so I never really rooted for Bill Belichick to do anything. I've always found him, you know, uh, uh, a bit underhanded, Belichick, all that. But I felt so bad for Bill Belichick when that, when that field goal went what? doink, been Tom Brady what? won. I felt bad because Belichick had a beautiful game plan. His kid is nuts. His kid is – I had no idea <laughs> the kid was that nuts with the tongue and all that. Whatever that was, that should be banned. That that deserves some kind of suspension. But Belichick did everything you possibly could do, and I'm pretty sure that they had overinflated the balls. I'm pretty sure there was too much air in the balls, and that's why Brady was all over the place. And still, Brady wins. And I know that drives Kimball crazy. It drives me crazy that the guy has just clearly, in much the same way that 78-year-old Mick Jagger is still able to do what he's doing, 45-year-old Tom Brady made the same deal with the devil, and it's just it probably going to end up with a Super Bowl, another Super Bowl. But I, I, when that field goal joint, I, for the first time in my sports observation period, which is a lifetime almost, I felt sorry for Bill Belichick. And then uh, I don't know. I don't know why, but uh, that's how much I've come to resent Tom Brady. How did you guys process the end of that game? <laughs> Go ahead, Kimmel. Belichick's your guy. Go ahead. No, is there, is there a historical reference, a literature, literary reference to when like uh, – you know, the devil and the Antichrist are two, <laughs> two <laughs> evil empires clash because that's what it was Sunday night. But you guys might be surprised. No, I was rooting for Brady. What? I was rooting for Brady why? against Belichick. Yes. Well, I mean, I'll tell you why. Because, you know, I, I, I despise both of them. Oh, you have um, Brady in your fantasy team. That's all it is. That's true as well. And in, in, in classic Brady thing. fashion. No, 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 no. In classic Brady fashion, he hurt me because he really he didn't throw a touchdown pass. And if you know anything about fantasy football, like you're screwed. If your quarterback's not throwing touchdown passes, just go home. He could throw he can complete 30 passes of 10 yards, not gonna do you much good. So he he hurt me like he always likes to do. But I was rooting for him because I do think you know, even though I, I don't like either one, we've talked about this before, it's really not personal. I don't know either person. and I don't have it in for Brady the same way I have it in for Belichick. And, and again, part of that is because 
Brady's over there in Tampa Bay, a long way from the Jets and and the whole, whole legacy and you know the Patriots continuing to dominate the division and things like that. Where, where's Belichick? Is? So yes, I was rooting for Tampa Bay to to beat New England. You know, I'd like both of them to somehow lose or do poorly, but you know that just doesn't certainly wasn't possible that night. And you know, it really was. I I can't say I you know I I, I don't know if I understand. Mike feeling bad for Belichick when I felt going. for him. I, I, I felt for him because everyone is just uh, continuing that line of thought that the true uh, champion there, that the, the reason for all the winning was the quarterback and not the coach. And I think they did need each other throughout those whole two decades. I think it's ridiculous to assume just because Brady went to a new situation and they got him all the toys he wanted. And by the way, Chris Collinsworth, Antonio Brown had more than just a little off-field situation. Antonio Brown is a bad guy (laughs) and should be banned from the league. Those things become less and less. Incredible. Live through the first year of something like that. It just goes, no, I am... you know, and, and that's one reason I should do the opposite, right? You know, I'm, I'm anti-quarterback as in football. I want the team to yeah. succeed and be more about the team and the coach. But I guess I just feel like less, in, I don't know, maybe I'm over Brady. It's like, okay, he can't hurt me anymore. He's already done so much. I don't know. But I just don't think that's going to have the legs. You know, whereas whereas Belichick, I just want to make sure we, we put him down. Whereas, you know, Brady, <laughs> Brady, I know it seems like he might play forever, but he's not. And he's, you know, I, I to go know. he's 50. Hard to explain. I know, I know. So what did, what did you Belichick, I, 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 as a member of the media, Mike, I can't believe that you could ever support Bill Belichick in any way, shape, or form. I, I just, I, I mean, obviously I've never met Bill Belichick or Tom Brady. Uh, so I, I'll say, give you the same caveat that, that Kimball gave you. I mean, we don't know these, we don't know either one of them. We don't know for sure. But I can, I know from, from watching Bill Belichick and then, and how he deals with a press conference that the man has no respect for the media. That's that I can say without. That's where you're wrong. Where there's a it's the last day of the week. Apparently, Brady uh, Belichick's Friday press conferences don't make sound bites, but that's where he gave that very long answer on long snapping, the history of long snapping. <laughs> Traditionally, Bill Belichick throughout on a Friday, once everything's been installed and everything's good to go, the cake is in the oven. He just will even beyond the press conference, apparently Boston writers rave about this. He'll just go on and on and just talk the game of football. Now on to Cincinnati is what we think of. So what's the point of the, what's the point of the the, the whatever other day? By the way, Tom the Brady like garbage. Tom Brady gave the mo- I wanted him to lose because he gave such and and obviously his gamesmanship, but he gave the shortest possible answer when asked about Mac Jones. Going into this game, a rookie in a very tough situation, a one-year remove, trying to replace this guy, this all-time legend, and he could have said something nice about Mac Jones, who has a national championship, etc. Tom Brady didn't win a national championship at Michigan, um, and he said something like, uh, "Yeah, I haven't really watched him. Haven't watched him much. Yeah, that was the whole answer. If you saw that, I thought it was really rude for the veteran winningest quarterback of all time." to show absolutely and just give a non-answer answer something just say well you know he's been he's done a lot in college i'm sure he'll figure it out and i hope he does well nothing 
He's not playing against Mac Jones, but he was trying to get in Mac Jones's head, I thought, with that answer. And I was pleased to see Mac Jones outplay Tom Brady in some ways in that game. So, um, <laughs> that is a conspiracy theory. That's ridiculous. No, I, I think he, you're, was a, you've did you see blown that, that up completely? And by the way, Tom Brady traditionally is snappy with the media. He has stalked off when pressed on his Trump uh, ties in the past. He has left the press conference before. Belichick, to his credit, and I've said this on this show, refused to go accept the Presidential Medal of Honor. He would not accept it. And and I maybe that turned everything for me. I don't know. I and I and I know for a fact that Belichick is loyal to Parcells, even after all this time where Parcells has been jealous of him. Anytime my cohort of the South Florida Sun Sentinel, Dave Hyde, would try to reach Belichick for a story on Parcells, he'd call back. It might be midnight, but he would call back and he would say insightful things. He's a great interview, apparently. I've never had a one on one with Belichick. What's strange is I was in Berea, Ohio, when he was the Browns coach, I was there to talk to Eric Zire, and then like Belichick Damn. came in and gave a yeah, it was, uh, twenty-seven years ago, and I just happened to be there when I was in Augusta, did an Eric Zire story, but I didn't get Belichick. Something came up where I had to be in, and I, I, I screwed it up. I was in the wrong place, wrong time. I should have had my time with Belichick right there, and of course he was fired later on. But Nick Saban was defensive coordinator there. I just think, um, ding. I, I just think that Bill Belichick's legacy, having done this over and over with total control, by the very definition, makes him more impactful on the Patriots dynasty than his quarterback. And yet somehow people have just turned this, because of this Tampa outcome, into all Brady, hardly any Belichick. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Well, it's such a fun story that Belichick has not won without Brady. I mean, and, and look, again, I'm anti-quarterback, but... It's a it's, small it's sample. Exactly it's a small Brady. sample. It's, it's, well, you go back to the Cleveland years, and with each passing game now, it, it gets to be a larger sample, and it's a larger sample than a lot of coaches in the NFL ever get. Well, he, know, won, he won as a defensive game. coordinator, obviously, yeah. with with Parcells. And yeah, he won, still, won as a defense coordinator with the Jets as well, with Parcells. So, Tim, I think there's only two possibilities here. One is... Somehow Mike has a bet that's involved with Belichick. Like I, I, well, right? I just think the doink definitely lost him a bet. There's no I had the pay, I'll that. tell you this. I had the Patriots <laughs> at three to one money line <laughs> within the game. In game betting, it got to three to one, and that's pretty that's substantial on a, on a basically a pick 'em game at that point. And I I exploited the inefficiency. I had everything right. Fifty six yarder, guy who never misses. It was raining. No, it's a long kick. Beautiful kick. It was beautiful. And any other quarterback on the other side, it goes in, but it didn't. We know Nick Falk, us Jet fans, we yeah. Jet fans. And, and uh, you know, he's a very good kicker, but he's not a good long-distance kicker. I was surprised he even made it that far. because He hit the hell out of That would have tied, I believe, his career high and in a tough condition. So I thought you should be faulting Belichick for why you're not going for it fourth and three. Why you just, you know, putting it on this kicker, you know, uh, from 56 yards when that's a, a tough make. Um, and, you know, have some faith in your Mac Jones to convert four and three when they've been getting, you he know, four or five didn't look yards. Too good. He didn't look too good on yeah. third and three. That was the problem. But And, and uh, the analytics said to go for it. You're right. And this is the guy who once went for it on fourth and one from his own 29 against the Colts. And it blew up a 
a decade plus ago. All right. Well, that was well. Let Sunday. me let me wrap it up by saying that that I thought we were all waiting for the moment, right? When when uh, when Belichick and Brady met met at the center at the center emblem, and I can only say <laughs> that the only time I've seen less passion in a hug in my life was watching Kimball hug his sisters. <laughs> <laughs> it was quick. It was quick. It was, it was, my family are the only people that listen to this podcast. <laughs> Hello. Shout, shout out to Kimball's sisters. You, Jennifer, you're getting really big hugs next time I see you. Hmm. <laughs> well, uh, who wants to go next? I think it might be uh, it might be Tim. Okay, I'll go next. All right. Um, yeah, I I I was amongst the many people I I think in our audience who had some interest in the Cincinnati Notre Dame game. Mike, were you at the game? I sure was. Okay, well then you can probably dish on this I even more than I can. Coming. I saw that one coming. I saw it coming. Go ahead. So I, I I'm here to tell you that I think. I, I think if the group of five is ever, ever going to, and I won't dumb it, dumb it down for our audience, the group of five, uh, if they're ever going to make a, a four-team college football playoff, I think this is the season. And I'm going to break it down for you, Frank DeCenzo style, RIP, right. <laughs> um, and tell you why I think this is the year. Uh, obviously, Cincinnati beating Notre Dame uh, on Saturday is what I'm referring to, and Cincinnati being maybe the most qualified power, uh, group of five team we've we've had um, since we've been in the college football playoff current current uh, formation. But uh, as I break it down, I mean, I don't I don't even really need to break down where two of the teams in the on the four team playoff are going to are going to come from. I mean, we both know Alabama. All of us know Alabama and Georgia are going to be two of those teams. And hell, we could fast forward right now to the end of the season and just go ahead and let them play for the, the title. I'm not going to be telling you anything anything that you don't already know with that. I, I do think it's weird that the national championship matchup is going to be played twice uh, in a five-week span, once in the SEC championship game and then again in the national championship game. And the, the second one is the only one that's actually going to count, but uh, that's probably another another point for another podcast but so we got two teams from the sec almost guaranteed and then where things have changed i guess this year is uh, all of us being accophiles we can we all know that that's the biggest thing that's changed all right so clemson has two losses already um they're not going to go to the playoff and my guess is somehow some way them being clemson being clemson they'll probably still win the acc championship somehow but that will eliminate the ACC, all right? So nobody's coming from the ACC. The Pac-10, uh, well, Oregon was looking real good until they 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 crapped the bed against uh, against Stanford the other night, and I, I you know that obviously leaves them very very vulnerable. If they're losing losing a game to Stanford, he's a pretty mediocre team at this point. I don't see uh, you know the Pac-10's already disrespected in years when they actually have good teams, and I don't I don't think. Uh, I don't think Oregon's going to get through the season without another loss. So Pac-10's out. So we still only have the two SEC teams. Now, the Big Ten, that's the rub. Uh, Big Ten, 
They've got four teams in the top 10 right now. Um, I don't think any of them are great teams, but they do have four teams in the top 10 right now. And I, obviously, whoever wins the conference championship in a league that has four teams in the top 10 at this point is definitely going to get a spot in the, at the table. So that's a third team. And you might say, all right, well, they got four teams in the top 10. Maybe they get two spots. And I, I just cannot imagine that the, the college football playoff is going to consist of two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams. I just don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think the Big Ten will, will eat each other uh, and we'll, eventually we'll come out with one team that's going to be that third team along with Alabama and Georgia. So now with the last remaining conference, uh, Power Five conference, is the big, for now, 12. And uh, the, you know, we've got Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are two teams in the top 20, the only two teams in the top 20. Um, Mike Gundy might be a, a grown man. He might be 40, but he ain't going to the college football playoff. So that leaves us with Oklahoma. And um, Oklahoma has been has been pretty mediocre so far this year. <laughs> They've got... I, I got crack staff gives me four of o, OU's five games so far this this season have they won by a, a touchdown or less, all against unranked schlubs, and their quarterback, um, who is supposed to win the Heisman, and I I heard at the beginning of the season is now being basically booed by his own fans. I don't think I, I I'm just not feeling Oklahoma right now. So um, all that. Kind of as you suggested, Campbell's favorite AFC East coach, Bill Belichick, on to Cincinnati, baby. The Bearcats, <laughs> I think if they run the table and finish undefeated, 13-0, and 0, then, uh, then it is time. Um, they've, they've played, they've tried to play a good non-conference schedule. That's always the, one of the beefs against the, the group of five teams. They've tried to play a good non-conference schedule. They've played at Indiana. They've played at, no at Notre Dame. It's not their fault that those two teams have underperformed. And they play in the American Athletic Conference, which is pretty putrid this year. But again, that's not something that they can control. So, uh, you know, I, I say let's let's throw Cincinnati in. Let's give them, assuming they finish 13-0, and assuming the rest of this sort of falls the way I, I'm suggesting that I think it will, I'm saying throw Cincinnati in there. Um, you know, this is the... This is this is our chance to let one of the one of the group of five teams take their shot. I mean, hell, they're going to have to play either Alabama or Georgia in the semifinals, and it's probably not going to go well for them. But uh, put up or shut up. This is this will be a great chance to give them that opportunity. Um, I remember watching the Peach Bowl last year, and since he was ahead of Georgia in the fourth quarter, twenty-one ten, and I don't think Georgia really gave a gave a darn about that game. So, you know, I don't put a lot of stock in that, but it's certainly an argument that Cincinnati can, Cincinnati people can make in that room. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a hopping on, on, on the, the Cincy bandwagon. You guys ready to hop on with me? Absolutely. Um, I just would like it to be noted that uh, on September 2nd, I went on my DraftKings and I, uh, <laughs> I noted. I just looked at Heisman Trophy odds, and I love Desmond Ritter. I watched him a lot last year, and uh, just really liked the, his whole swag. And uh, he never makes mistakes, and uh, hardly ever. He did have a strip sack, but 
uh, fumble, but just a great decision maker, fine leader. And I, I kind of envisioned this kind of scenario at that point. And I thought even sitting on September 2nd that 40 to 1 odds on Desmond Ritter to win the Heisman were pretty tempting. So I got in on that. Had a, had a boy. And that I was have a smart Desmond move. Ritter. So a Cincinnati running the table scenario, uh, a, uh, a scenario where Oklahoma's disappointing and and uh, no no superstars necessarily at Georgia or Alabama or so many that it's impossible to pick out one. If the story of yeah. the year is Cincinnati and Desmond Ritter, forty to one, baby, and it's it it's could all, are, yeah it it. It could happen. I mean, he is already he's already third right now, and he's up to third in the overall odds for the Heisman. So you're in, yeah, you know, yeah. you just need a you just need Alabama's quarterback to to kind of yeah. Bryce Young's awfully good. You got to you got to do some, something about that. But otherwise, I yeah. I think he if they go thirteen and zero, Ritter well Ritter Ritter will be in New York. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So that's so. right there. It's a small victory. Uh, the one the problem with the scenario, two problems, I guess. Uh, one includes that that's a human committee. That's a that's a committee of supposed humans deciding, and they're not going to sit down until early November for the first time. And um, they certainly have proven themselves so far to be uh, dismissive of group of five candidates along the way. Central Florida had their beef a couple years ago. Cincinnati last year. Uh, was was shunted to the side, didn't have a big win like the one the other day, but maybe that wasn't such a big win. I don't know how much uh, playoff juice Notre Dame will have when the committee sits down if it loses another time or two, which it completely could. Plus, it's not Notre Dame's not going to face another ranked team on its schedule this year unless uh, uh, somebody surges back into it because USC fell apart and North Carolina's basically falling apart early. Um, and then even the wins, Wisconsin win doesn't look very good. Florida State was a nothing win. Toledo was a nothing win. Um, and Purdue was a nothing win. So no, yeah, Notre Dame, in theory, that felt like a seminal moment for the Cincinnati program. But when it all, when we look back in December, uh, how much uh, meaning will that really carry? How much weight will that really carry in Cincinnati's case to make the college football playoff. I hope they get there. I like everything that I've seen about them. I like how they operate. And, and obviously I've got skin in the game with the <laughs> litter. But don't forget BYU. BYU's hanging around there too. And they're also going to be able to run the table, it appears. And I believe they're 10th in the rankings. And, uh, uh, you know, they might be at BYU's the one that upset the apple cart way, way back in the Robbie Bosco days. And actually won a national title. So uh, I would not dismiss the idea that the surprise team becomes BYU, in part because if Notre Dame falls on its face a couple more times, the uh, luster will come off that win the other day. So when it comes to college football, as you guys know, but maybe our audience doesn't know, I like to root for chaos because I don't like the way they have decided their champion uh, in my lifetime, no matter what they've tried. And uh, so, yes, that would be perfect, obviously. I, I root for one of these small conference teams to to deserve a, a bid and never get it into the Final Four, as it, I would call it. But anyway, I I do wonder about the eye test. And I did watch a little of that game, believe it or not, and before I had to go to a baseball game. And it was funny because I watched the beginning and I saw a couple of, you know, the, the plays that put Cincinnati, you know, there was a turnover by Notre Dame right on a kick and stuff like that. And, but just little eye test I had, I thought, 
yeah, they're not going to be able to hang with them. You know, Cincinnati's going to eventually get overpowered. They just, you know, they have that look when you watch college football, like this is just a little bit smaller team, right? It's just not the same, you know, ilk as when you watch the, the big boys. But I didn't watch the whole game. And obviously they, they handled them pretty third, you know, pretty well. So you guys watching the game and covering the game even, tell me, was it, kind of that fluky type win or did Cincinnati look like, no, we, we went toe to toe and show we could go toe to toe with the big boys. It was not fluky. That was, uh, they won by 11, but they missed two field goals and another had a touchdown called back by an ineligible receiver downfield had to settle for a field goal another time. So you could tack 10 points onto that margin. That was a three touchdown game and that's how it felt in person. Uh, that was never, the outcome was never in doubt. It never felt like, uh, uh, pint-sized Drew Pine was going to lead Notre Dame down the field. And again, for all its top 10 recruiting classes, this Notre Dame team cannot do anything on the offensive line, can't run the ball when it needs to, can't protect a quarterback anytime, and uh, some real issues there. And the wide receivers could not get open. And the best player in the field, actually, was Ahmad Gardner. Sauce, as he's called. Sauce Gardner, the cornerback, going to make a lot of money in the NFL. So Cincinnati has a quarterback who's extremely experienced and reliable and playmaking, but they also have a cornerback who can shut down the best receiver on the field. Now, program like since uh, Alabama or Georgia, they have multiple receivers who are going to have to deal with, and there's only the other cornerback was good too, but this Ahmad Gardner is excellent. Well, point, point out the fact answer. that point out the fact that that uh, Cincinnati's running back is also has Alabama. Alabama pedigree transferred from Alabama because he was he was sitting behind Najee Harris and Damian Harris and mm -hmm. and Josh Jacobs but, and that's you know that's you, you don't there's nothing wrong with with the fact that he wasn't playing behind those guys but so. we know it comes down to the trenches when we get to the, the big boys and we're just you, you think this team is good and then it just gets manhandled and I, and honestly I'm not I'm not so arguing that point line, with you Mike yeah. said Notre Dame's not an overpowering line. So right. not when I'm not arguing that point with you. In fact, I, I, I believe that Cincinnati will, will probably get trashed by either <laughs> either Alabama or Georgia. Right. But my what point I'm making is there is the big boys that we're used to are not the big boys. They're, they're not there this year. Right. So the Clemsons of the world and the Oklahomans of the world and all these teams that we've just gotten sick of, even Ohio State is not what they usually are. So it, it opens up a, a window of opportunity that has not been there in, in recent memory for a team like this, basically since, since they've gone to this format for this college football playoff. This is the best opportunity. And while I don't think that Cincinnati is anywhere near in the league of Georgia or Alabama, I just don't think, I think that second tier that's, that's usually there uh, is just not there. And that's, that's where the opportunity exists. And, so, so I'd rather see, uh, I'd rather see a thirteen and zero Cincinnati team at least given a chance in that under this under this scenario than than a two loss Oregon team or a two loss Penn State team or a two loss Oklahoma team. I mean, it just doesn't. Yeah. Or just... or an unbeaten BYU, they could be right in that conversation. They still get a chance to to have a, wins that might in the end be similar. If Notre Dame does face plant, uh, you're still going to see boys. They're going to beat Boise State this week. They're going to 
play at Baylor. They're going to play at Washington. They have Virginia. They have. Did you convert to to Mormonism since the last podcast? What is going on with BYU and BYU? Can't forget about the Cougars. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, um, we're two-thirds of the way through the show, I believe. This is uh, Three Point Range. I'm Mike Berardino. We appreciate you listening, as always. Um, And uh, we can check out our sub-stack, Three Point Range. And we also have a Facebook page, Three Point Range. And, uh, of course, uh, we'll tweet this out and put it on Facebook as well. The regular pages are, I believe, the other guys will put it on their pages. And you can find our podcast at uh, Spotify and Stitcher and Google Podcasts and all your finer podcast networks. So, and anchor.fm is where we originate. So, thank you for your support of this. And um, we're having fun. So, uh, we're down to our final point And... Uh, Let's go to the scout. All right. So two NFL coaches this weekend uh, got involved in some controversy for different reasons. And one was Urban Meyer, our Jacksonville coach. Hello. Who who, um, found himself in a kind of a compromising situation in Ohio that uh, kind of went viral. And he was uh, doing some inappropriate touching or dancing or whatever it was with a young lady uh, who was not his wife. And this blew up as a big story. And that surprised me a little bit. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And then my boy, John Harbaugh, uh, got himself in a little bit of hot water when he did something very strange. He, uh, you know, I don't know if you know, but like he, instead of taking a knee with a few seconds left in the game, he ran another play, even though his team was, I think, up 23 to seven over, um, uh um denver and and he did it because he wanted to ensure that his team continued its record this record that we all know it's 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 right up there with uh cal ripkin um streak it's they've rushed for 100 yards as a team for 42 more than 100 yards for 42 straight games now and i'm like did anybody know that prior besides Mr. Harbaugh and did anyone care and I was really disappointed in my boy because I just thought what why are you doing that and he kind of defended it which which you know he said well, he did it for his team and they they you know they'd want it and then his quarterback threw him under the bus and said I don't care and so anyway it was not good but I want to talk about these two pseudo controversies because I want to I, I first of all with the Meyer one okay this is he has taken a lot of crap for this and then and had to apologize to his team for this and his owner took him to task and i'm like wait a second you can criticize him for a lot of things the way his season's gone so far i don't think this had anything to do with his team or his coaching i mean this is a family situation he was a bad boy you know but has nothing or i think you can argue that i guess if you when you guys speak oh we will has <laughs> with his coaching because I'm we can't say, like, wait he's gonna lose his locker room like oh my gosh he's gonna win his locker room he's gonna say like see guys i'm, I'm sure none of you have ever gone to a club and grinded with a young See, guy. i'm one of the boys i'm yeah. one of the boys i'm oh. one of you it's like, it's like, who 
like go urban maybe like maybe that's what he did it for like it's like just honey i've got to do this because the guys just don't like me they don't believe in me they think i'm a dork let me let me show them something special i I don't know but it 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 it, i don't think it's really anything to do with code now you could say you know he didn't go home with his team you know whatever he stayed in ohio whatever um but you know this is not high school and riding the bus and making sure they all get home i don't think a player cared that you know, it wasn't like they were going to see him the next day in practice. It wasn't like he went AWOL on the squad and where's Urban? He's out dancing. No. Okay. So I just, it, you can say a lot of bad things about Urban Meyer. I think this is just, not, it, I can't believe he's getting criticized in that level where his job's in jeopardy because of that incident. Okay. Not when we're talking football and things like that. Now, there, there goes um, whatever female le- uh, viewership listenership we <laughs> well, had. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it, it makes him a good, uh, you know, it, yeah, you can criticize him as a human being, but it, it I don't think it's anything. To, I can't believe he had to apologize to his team, his team for that. Okay, so Harbaugh, I, I really, I hate this. I hate when coaches or when we do anything that, that makes an, a record artificial. You know, and we've talked a little bit about this before, but I just think it, the whole point of a record is that you did it in pursuit of victory and, and wow, Baltimore's had a great ground attack for 42 straight games. You know, win or lose, they, they really have shown that. But if you start doing it arbitrarily and saying, well, you know, the goal is now to get 100 yards and keep our streak going and forget the rest of the situation, then any number is stupid. And that's why I hate when teams, like, put in a player and try and get him an extra bucket or something like that or, or, or do all this this stuff to to create situations like that. Like, oh, put him on the free throw line and let him get another rebound because he needs a triple-double and – all this nonsense is just terrible. And I think it, it does the opposite for any record. It, it just undermines it in my estimation. And it should always be about like, hey, you know, you did you you did great things. You got 27 rebounds in pursuit of victory, not because the whole game all you were thinking was like, I don't care about anything but going to grab a rebound, even if it means I'm not guarding my man or, or being open for a shot. So um I just hate that in general, and I was a little disappointed by John Harbaugh. But likewise, I don't think it's really going to have any impact on his team or his his uh, his ability to coach his team going forward. All right, go ahead, guys. What do you got, Tim? I couldn't disagree more on both both really? counts. <laughs> really? Yes, absolutely. Uh, the Harbaugh one is easier. Um, Shut up, Denver Broncos! If you if you don't if you don't like it, then stop him, stop stop the stop the runner. Who cares? I mean, I I just that is the, oh the I don't whining, disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. Whining about whining about whether or not they they're running that play or not. Go ahead and line up and stop it. I mean, I don't think they I don't think they faked a a kneel down and then and then ran the ball. <laughs> I mean, they were still lined up like a regular play. So shut up and stop it if you don't like it. I, I don't. I've got no. I have no, no uh, sympathy at all for that. I. I mean, yes, the reason they did it it was artificial, but uh, and obviously Lamar Jackson <laughs> didn't didn't care. But maybe maybe the uh, five offensive linemen cared, and if if it made made them happy, I'm all for it. Go ahead and do it. I don't have any an issue with that. I I go back telling the defense go ahead and stop it if you don't if you don't like it. Uh, as far as uh, Urban's concerned, um, I just all, all I can think about with him is his 
going back in history, I mean, remember, remember when Urban Meyer was like the 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 exalted one, short of Nick, Nick Saban, he was the guy, the guy. I mean, when he was at Florida and and it was the Urban and Tebow show, that it, he didn't he he had could not have reached a higher plateau. Everybody in the country, short of Alabama, would have hired him as their coach. The the guy had reached the pinnacle, and he had nothing but success. And it's just it's. You know, this doesn't really have anything to do with your point, but I just keep, that's what I just keep thinking about when it comes to Urban Meyer, is how the mighty have fallen and where, where he was and all of the silly stuff that's happened to him over the years that have helped to undercut his reputation to the point now where I, I think he's just kind of a joke. I really do. I mean, I just think we've gotten to the point now where, where you know, he's just trying to keep, keep his job and he, he's... You know he's got a pretty terrible team to deal with, and they're probably they're <laughs> they're either going to set or come close to an NFL record for consecutive losses, which is not his. You know most most of which was not on his watch, but but uh, you know he's just kind of a punchline now, and I just think you know I just I'm always amazed at at uh, sometimes when a uh, when a guy comes you know sort of comes to that height. And then, uh, you know, flies a little close, too close to the sun, I guess. And the next thing you know, he's comes crashing down. And that's really, that's the story of Urban Meyer right now. What do you think, Mike? I just want to say, Cayman, Nebraska. That's what I want to say. Cayman, <laughs> Nebraska. Do you know who that is, Kimball? It's a person? Is that what Cayman, you're saying? It's an incredible name. Cayman, oh. Nebraska. That's the woman that Urban Meyer was cozying up to. (laughs) You couldn't make that up. Steve Nebraska was the pitcher that Brendan Fraser played memorably for me in The Scout. Remember that, where Albert Brooks was the scout? Uh, That all happened at Urban Meyer's Pint House, by the way, where you would think they'd have some kind of policy about (laughs) not videotaping Urban Meyer. (laughs) But they don't. Also, Kimball, you conveniently forgot that generally it's not the first mistake, it's the cover-up that gets you, (laughs) whether it's politics or sports or normal life. And Urban Meyer's initial explanation, and we're going to have to wrap up quickly, but it was that he had stayed to see the grandkids and they all (laughs) went to the dinner that night. There was a big group next to our restaurant and they wanted me to come over and take pictures and I did. They were trying to pull me out on the dance floor, screwing around, and I should have <laughs> left. That's not what happened, Urban. <laughs> Urban Meyer was a fraud. We knew he was a fraud uh, when he was covering up for a domestic abuser in Ohio State. He was a fraud when Aaron Hernandez was learning to be a murderer at Florida, and they were they had people arrested at weekend after weekend. He'll win you football games, but he's a fraud. He was named after a pope, and uh, maybe that should tell us something. So... Urban Meyer. Oh my gosh! Said, now we've lost all of our oh religious no. listenership. Uh, the popes of that what era. We have left. The popes of that era were dirty. They're dirty popes through history. Anyway, we got to wrap it up. Urban Meyer. I'll just say, yeah, we do. next coach at USC. Okay, that because they don't care about that stuff. That's all, Pete Carroll. That's good to go. That's that's where we have to leave it. We're running down on time. Uh, came and to Nebraska. Listeners. 
Thanks for listening. She'll be on a future podcast, we hope. And uh, yeah, that was quite a tour. Crazy tour of stuff. And uh, we'll see you next time on Three Point Range.